1. So turn there in your Bibles if you're not already there. And if you would stand, if you can stand, if you'd like to stand, and we're going to read the Word of God. I'm going to start in chapter 1, and we're going to read through chapter, chapter 1, verse 3 through 7, and then chapter 2, verse 19 through 24. So first of all, Philippians 1, beginning in verse 3, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of, this is the key, your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion in the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. Now go to chapter 2. I wanted to show you a personal, specific example of what we're going to talk about. And so here's one. Verse 19 of chapter 2. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth. How as a son with a father he served with me in the gospel. I hope therefore to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will also come. Father, we need you this morning. God, we need you, Father, to show us your, your magnificent glory. God, to, to pour your grace out upon us richly. Father, to reveal um, just the nature of the gospel and how it binds us together. And God, I pray that you would give us these kind of friendships, that you would give us these kind of christ in a relationships, that you would give us this, this koinonia in the gospel. Show us that. Teach us that today, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I want you to start thinking a little bit about the Apostle Paul, okay? So here's a guy who, uh, I, we could say it this way, he had a harder life than most of us, true? <laughs> the Apostle Paul had a harder, more difficult life than probably most of us. I, can't, I know I can't say that for everybody, but probably more than most of us. When you, when you open your New Testament, you open up Galatians, and you find that Paul has a group of people who follow him around and try to undo what he does, okay? Now, I know some of you mothers, you're like, hey, that happens to me every day. It's called children, right? You know, but that was happening to Paul in, in the book of Galatians. You open up to 1 Corinthians, and, and Paul has a group of people who are slandering him. They're accusing him of all kinds of things he didn't do. You open up 2 Corinthians, and, and Paul has this painful thorn in the flesh. You, you remember that in 2 Corinthians 12? This painful thing in his life that, that he's prayed about it, and God says, no, I'm going to leave it. I'm just going to give you the grace to endure it. You know, you, you open up the book of Acts and you find that Paul is brutally beaten he, by the enemies of the gospel. He is imprisoned, he's stoned, he's shipwrecked. In Philippians, he, he, he tells us about times where he is impoverished of, of a lack of any kind of provision. And then he tells us that he is awaiting execution. And in the midst of all of that, this guy has this indomitable joy, all right? He has this indomitable, despite trouble and opposition and persecution and danger, this is a guy who his whole life, from his conversion on, presses the gospel deeper and deeper into the unreached peoples of the world and was used monumentally for the glory of God. All right, so, so when I think about that, man, I, I, I ask the question, all right, what made this guy so relentless in, in times of trouble and struggle and persecution? 
That's a worthwhile question, isn't it? That's a worthwhile question, especially when I look at my own life and, and I see that I, I get easily distracted. I, I get easily distracted from the gospel mission. I, I, I have a leak in my zeal. Do you have one of those, right? You know, it's like leaking. You know, you have a leak. Like, I don't know. I'm not always as zealous as I want to be for the gospel. You know, I, I, at times I grumble when things get difficult instead of facing it with joy like Paul did. And, and so I want to answer the question, how, Paul, how? Right now, we can answer that in a bunch of ways. Last two weeks, we've been looking at the Lord's Prayer. Absolutely, we see in Paul's life. Here's a guy who was, who was energized for the gospel by answered prayer, right? Here's a guy who prayed and, and got answered through the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's a guy who was encouraged by the Scriptures. We could say that. You know, how, how did he do it? The Scriptures, absolutely. Um, here's a guy who, who just the sovereign will of God just, just did incredible things in his life. Oh, yes, 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 yes. But the thing that I want you to have your eye on this morning The thing I think we forget a lot is the role of gospel partnerships in our Christian life, okay? Now, what do I mean by gospel partnerships? Well, the word actually that I'm keying in on is is in verse 5. It's the word partnership, and it's actually the word koinonia in the Greek, which in in many Bibles is translated fellowship. Now, let me tell you why I I don't want to use fellowship. You know why? When I use fellowship... You think of what? You think of cleaning your house to have people over and eat beanie weenies and taco salad, right? That's exactly what you think of. I know it is, okay? And and there's nothing, there is some things wrong with that. Actually, if that's your only picture of fellowship is, all right, I got to clean the house, people coming over, we're going to have, you know, who's bringing sandwiches, whatever, you know. So that, that, that ruins it, okay? So I almost pull away from the word fellowship, even though that's the way it's translated a lot in the Bible, okay? So I'm gonna use words like gospel partnership. I'm gonna use a, word that, uh, a phrase that we use all the time at Lincoln, Christ-centered relationship, okay? I'm, I'm gonna use words for phrases like spiritual friendship, okay? That, that was present in Paul's life, and I am convinced was a major tool that enabled him to do what he did for as long as he did with as much trouble as he had, all right? So we look at this passage. We look at his opening greetings here. And man, here's a guy who's thanking God for these people in his life who bring him so much joy, right? Thanking God for people that bring him so much joy. And he's thanking them for their, their, their partnership, their fellowship, their, their sharing in the ministry. And then in verse seven and eight, he talks about the deep affection that they have for one another, right? Try for me to feel this way about you. This is verse seven. I hold you in my heart, uh, you're partakers of grace with me. Verse 8, God is my witness how I yearn for you with the affection of Jesus Christ. Now, I, I got a feeling that when I read that, when I read about this guy who's got these spiritual friendships that bring him so much joy and he has such affection for these people, that some of you are going to go like, well, that's great for Paul, you know? Not really, you're going to. I know you are because every time I preach on this, 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 this area of ministry, you guys, you always come back at me and you're like, hey, that'd be great. Where are those people, right? Like, like I'd love to have friends like that. Where are they, you know? I went to small group. I didn't like the taco salad, the beanie weenies were cold, and I didn't make any friends, right? I mean, people will tell me that, right? So you're, you're like, well, hey, that's great for Paul, you know, but it didn't happen to me. Well, let, let me tell you, it's not that it just happens, okay? What I want to show you from Philippians 1 is there are some key elements in Paul's life that enabled him to have these kind of spiritual relations, spiritual friendships, these kind of koinonia that, that powered him in the gospel, all right? Now, 
Paul was intentional about this. Okay, I've, I've showed you this before in 2 Timothy. But, but I, I do not want you to think that Paul was this charismatic guy and everywhere he went, everybody wanted to be his friend. Okay, And everybody just wanted to commit themselves and do whatever they could to help him. That was not Paul. Paul actually was incredibly intentional about this. This is where a lot of us go wrong. We're not near as intentional as Apostle Paul. We have glimpses of this in the Scripture. 2 Timothy chapter 4, he, he's writing from a prison cell. And he says in verse 9 to Timothy, Do your best to come to me soon. Why? Because Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia. Titus to Dalmatia. Luke alone is with me. Get Mark. Bring him with you. Man, this guy is incredibly intentional about spending time with these people in his life. I mean, when you read that, it's kind of funny. He's like, hey, there's only two people with me. I need more, you know? I need more. Man, bring Mark. You come. Dude, come when you can. Come as soon as you can, Timothy. So here's a guy who's in, intentional about these kinds of relationships. Now, how did, Paul, how, how did Paul live in such a way that brought about this kind of koinonia, okay? Koinonia. It's the, it's the Greek word. It means, it means to share something together. All right, now, that, that gives us a clue about what's at the heart of, of these kind of spiritual relationships, Christian relationships. At the heart of it is sharing something together. Okay? Now, again, you're like, oh, you're back to the taco salad. I'm talking about more than sharing taco salad, okay? Like, like that's what we automatically think of, but you know what? You can eat taco salad with somebody, and you cannot have a deep affection for them, and they cannot bring joy to your life, okay? You might be irritated that they're there, right? They eat too much, right? So, so that, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about sharing something else, okay? Now, we get, we get a clue of what he's talking about in verse 7, right? Here we go. It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart, for you are all, this is an interesting phrase, partakers with me of grace, partakers of me with grace, of grace, okay? So what, what is Paul saying? He's saying we share something together. You know what we share together? We both have gotten grace from God, okay? We both have gotten grace from God. So this is, I believe, the foundation of, of, of Christian fellowship is that we share this common experience of grace from God. Now, what's grace? Grace is when God gives you things you don't deserve, correct? Right? That's what grace is. Grace is when God dumps in your lap, he dumps upon you things that you don't deserve, all right? Thing, things like salvation, forgiveness, adoption, redemption, the Holy Spirit, right? Things you don't deserve. And, and so Paul is saying, man, I've got a deep affection for you. We, we are spiritual buddies. Why? Because we have this common experience of receiving grace from God. I, I, I bet Paul made a whole bunch here. I, 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 bet he, I bet he meant starting with their conversion, you know? Like Paul, I bet Paul would, would say when he would get with the Philippians, hey, man, I used to be an idolater. I, I, I used to hate Christians. I used to persecute them. Because he did, right? Like he had this common history of being a sinner together, right? And the Philippians were like, oh, yeah, us too. Man, we used to worship idols and sexual immorality. Man, we were tore up. And man, but look what God did, right? There's this common experience of, of we were a sinner, but God opened our eyes, and we saw the glory of Jesus. And man, it all hit us, and we put our faith in him. I put my faith, you put your faith. Yeah, they shared this experience of salvation together. They shared this experience of, of trusting Christ, treasuring Christ together. But here's the deal. It did not stop there. See, some people have a, they don't have much fuel in their tank for fellowship. You know why? Because the only experience of grace that they really talk about or share or experience is their conversion. So imagine getting together in a small group for 30 years 
And all the only bullets in your gun are what God did 50 years ago. Well, man, there's not much to share there, right? I mean, that's good. Well, we're glad it happened, amen, right? But, but Paul is talking about continued experiences of grace from God, right? You know how I know he's talking about that? Look at what it says it, verse 7, okay? Ready? It's right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart. For you, all, you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment. That's happening right now. Right now. That's how, and when Paul wrote that, he's in prison. So he's saying, we're partakers of grace right now in my imprisonment and then in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. In other words, Paul is describing things that continue to happen. He said, man, you guys have been with me. In this, and God's continue to pour grace on my life. I was at a wedding last night in Blanchard. I was doing a wedding, performing a wedding ceremony in Blanchard last night. And uh, uh, there was some folks that were coming in from Woodward. They'd driven in, and we were kind of greeting. You know how you do, pastor, you greet everybody, you know. They're greeting in. I didn't know them well. I, they live in our community, but they don't go to our church. So I did not know them well, but I knew of them, right? So I, I was friendly, shook their hand. You know, how are you doing everything? I don't know how this happened. Within a couple minutes, and I, I was trying to think back, how did that conversation get started? And I don't know. I don't know how it got started. But in a couple minutes, we, we both talked about how there are times in your life where God will give you like this, this I don't know, this like shovel load of revelation at one moment. You know, like I'm not talking about like you study, 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 study for years and, and you come to know God. I'm talking about there's times where God just like dumps a whole bunch on your lap at once. And, and the story that I had in my mind was I was on a plane to Houston, Texas, and, and I was reading 1 Corinthians 10. And man, the glory of God for the first time in my life, I'd been to seminary, I'd been to college, but for the first time in my life, I, I feel like I understood what, what the Bible meant when it talked about the glory of God. And it was like one of those deals where I was like looking around for somebody in the plane to tell, you know, like, hey, I just, I got it, you know? And, 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 and this person was like, oh, me too. And they were like, I was reading Matthew. And, and, said, and we had koinonia right there, Blanchard, Oklahoma, out in the field, you know, getting ready for a wedding. And, and we both had this common experience of sharing things that God does, right? And things that God continues to do, right? And so, so one of the reasons that you may not quickly find fellowship with people is because you're lacking this, what's God doing in me? You're content with just what he did you know, a long time ago, but you're not, you're, not, you're not experiencing things now, okay? Now you say, well, how do you experience things now? Well, for Paul and for the Philippians and for Timothy, it was, it was doing hard things together for the sake of the gospel. All right, so let's go back to verse 7. It's right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment, and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. What are those things? Imprisonment, defense, and confirmation of the gospel. They are all three doing hard things with other believers for the sake of the gospel. Right? So they're, they are sharing in Paul's imprisonment. What does that mean? I don't know at all that it means. It may have meant some of them were in prison too. I don't know. I don't know. It might mean that though. But let me tell you what I know it means, because the Bible tells me it means this, is that the Philippian church sent people to Paul. Isn't that cool? They, they, they heard he was imprisoned in Rome, and so they're like, all right, who's going? You know, isn't that something? Like, for us to hear, hey, one of our brothers is in prison in China. All right, who's going here today? Who's going to China? We'll get your ticket. Who's going, you know? And they, they sent him. They sent him there, and they, and they sent funds to help Paul. So they were sharing in this hard thing he was doing 
And Paul's like, man, that binds us together. But not just the imprisonment, but he says, you shared. We were partakers of grace together in the, do you see what it says there in verse 7? In the defense and confirmation of the gospel. In the defense and confirmation of the gospel. What does he mean? He said, man, we defended the gospel together. You know, we, we, were, we were speaking the gospel to people that were disagreeing with us and, and, and were preaching a false gospel, and, and we were doing that together. And then the confirmation of the gospel, we were establishing. Confirmation means to establish the gospel. So Paul's saying, hey, we were together in, in, in doing gospel ministry in your community. Like we were preaching the gospel. We were sharing with people. We were seeing people saved. We were pulling them together into small groups. We were teaching them how to obey Jesus. We were seeing them disciple their families. We were doing that together. And that's what brought this fellowship, this partnership in the gospel, in doing hard things together for Jesus. All right, so that's the foundation, okay? So the foundation is, the foundation of Christian fellowship, spiritual friendships, is that we are partakers of grace together, okay? So we, we've, we've commonly experienced God's moving in our lives, God's riches in our lives, God's, God's spirit in our lives, and we have done hard things together for the sake of the gospel, all right? Now, I know you're going to want some specific examples, aren't you? I know you would. That's why, that's why we're going to chapter 2, all right? You're like, ah, this don't make any sense. What are you saying up there? Right? Sometimes that happens, all right? So let's see if if this one guy, Timothy, clears this up. So what did Paul have with Timothy, all right? He had this, this koinonia, this spiritual relationship, this spiritual friendship, this, this fellowship, all right? So verse 19 of chapter 2, he says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by news of you, for I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. All right, now here's where the English lets us down. I have no one like him. That is such a better word in Greek, okay? In Greek, it is like-souled. You know, your soul, it's, like, it's the word for like or common or the same, same-souled. So, so Paul says, man, I got no, el- no one else here who is same-souled as me. And he's talking about Timothy. All right, now, now, what does it mean to be same-souled? All right, well, he goes on to explain that. Verse 20, I have no one like him, no one same-souled, who will be genuinely concerned for you guys, for your welfare. It says for everybody else, they seek their own interests, but not Timothy. He seeks those of Jesus Christ. All right, so, so first of all, what is he saying? He's saying, me and Timothy, we, we share the same burden. We, we care about the same things. He says, I got nobody else who will be genuinely concerned. It's a word that actually means anxious. I got nobody else who will be anxious for your welfare. Be genuinely concerned for you. You know what happens when you find people who care deeply about the same things that you do? It binds you together, right? You know the most common example of that? Kids, right? Kids. So, so my wife and I, we have this fellowship, right? We have this fellowship together. And, and, and part of that fellowship is we both care about six little ones, right? Actually, some of them are big, right? But uh, there's four of them right over there. Okay, one's thrashing around. Dad, quit. Look at him. He's, he's breaking down, the littlest one. But we care about them together, right? Like, like we're, we're for them. Okay, that binds us together. Okay, Paul says, man, Timothy and me care about the church together. And so that, 
that binds us together in this spiritual relationship. I was watching the news the other morning, and uh, Washington, D.C., the Washington, D.C. Capitals won the Stanley Cup, all right? I didn't even know Washington, D.C. had a hockey team, okay? That tells you how up on things I am. Didn't know. I guess it was a big deal. Like, I guess they hadn't won it in forever or maybe ever. I don't know. But I guess they hadn't done it in a long time. Washington, D.C. hadn't had any sports team do well in a long time. So it was this great big deal, big party, big celebration. And, and anyway, the news is showing when the win happened. And they're, they're showing the crowd. And, and there's this one image that's really good. So there's this, this, this father. I'm assuming there's a father. And he's got this boy. Probably like 7, 8, 9, 10, somewhere in that name, you know, first, third grade, somewhere in there. He's got him on his show. Shoulders, and then and you can't see the dad at first. All you can see is the little boy. And they win, and the camera's on the little boy. And the little boy fists in the air, you know, like this. And he's, you know, shouting, he's happy, and then all of a sudden, you know, he starts to break down. You know what it looks like when someone's starting to cry, you know, and he's just uh, you know, it's, it's overwhelming him with emotion that the, the capitals have won. And then then like other people move out of the way, and you can see the dad. The dad has the same expression on his face. You know, he's just starting to cry. And the dad reaches up and he picks up the little boy and he and he turns him around and they look at each other and they go like this, you know, and, and they're both crying, and then they hug. You know, this long hug, and they look at each other again, and then they turn around and face the camera. They, they, the camera's not on, but they're looking at the, at the hockey, hockey, what is it, hockey field, hockey rink, and they're like, ah, you know, like this, and cool. That's cool, right? Like, like that's cool moment between father and son there. Here's what I know. I can tell you this with certainty because I've done a lot of funerals. Someday, that little boy's dad will die, and he, he will meet with a pastor, and the pastor will say, tell me about your dad. I am 99% sure he will tell that story. He will tell that story. Now, that, that's cool. You, it's cool because they share that together. Right? They, they evidently care about hockey a lot together, right? And, and they, they were there for that victory together. They have this fellowship. You know what my next thought was? That's cool. But how much cooler if a father and a son, a mother and a daughter, a husband and a wife can share that kind of koinonia about real things. Okay, now I know, I know hockey's a real sport. I'm not saying that. But I'm just saying like, like about, about big things, like about winning their family to Christ, about, about grandkids coming to Jesus, about... What if they have that? That's what Paul and Timothy had. That's what Paul had with the Philippian church. He's like, we care about this together. And, and, it, and it brings us this fellowship. Paul says, man, there's nobody that cares for you like Timothy. And, and he says a really interesting thing here. He says, there's nobody who cares about Jesus' interest. Do you see that in verse 21? For they all seek their own interests, but not those of Jesus Christ. He says, except Timothy. And, and then when you, what's Timothy interested in? Well, that's in 20. He's interested in the welfare of the church. I, I just mentioned that because there, there are people in our culture, this is really popular in our culture, where people will say things like this. They'll say, I'm all about Jesus, but I'm not all about, I, I, don't, I don't have anything to do with the church. Well, you don't have anything to do with Jesus then. It just doesn't work that way. Like, like, like you can't tell me, hey, Jason, I want to be, be friends with you, but I don't like your wife. That usually doesn't go over well, you know. You can't tell Jesus, hey, I, I, I'm all for you, but I don't, like, I don't like your bride. I don't like your people. I don't like those in whom your spirit dwells. 
the way that you love Jesus is by loving his people, by being concerned for his people. Hebrews chapter 6, this is a cool verse. Hebrews 6.10. For God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the, the love that you have shown for his name. Okay, listen to that. Love you've shown for his name. So the love you've shown for Jesus. How do, how do you show love for Jesus? Keep reading. In serving the saints. The way that you love Jesus is by loving his people. Verse 22. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. You know, it's interesting... Basically, what, what Paul is describing there is they have this long history of serving together for the gospel. And what's interesting to me about that is that I often have people tell me that you know, they've been in a Sunday school class forever, they've been in a small group forever, they've been, you know, and things have grown stale. Now, why did they grow stale? I, I don't think it's that you've met for too long. Because... Paul and Timothy, Paul's looking back on his life. I mean, they, they'd been serving together in the gospel for a long time, and things are not stale. In fact, the last book he writes, 2 Timothy, he's in prison. He's ready to go. To, he's maybe going to be executed, and he is calling out for Timothy to come see him. I, I think there's other things at play when things are stale. I think maybe you're not experiencing, partaking of grace like you ought to, or you're not pushing pushing forward in ministry as you ought to be. And that's what's not joining you together. Okay, so uh, let, me, let, me, let me transition here. So what are the benefits of having these spiritual friendships? Okay, what are the benefits of having these? Number one, they enable you to endure when things get really tough. Okay, I, was, uh, I, was, I met with some guys on Thursday and we, we've been reading through 1 Samuel and uh, early in the morning. And we came across this passage in, in 1 Samuel 23. And let me give you a little context. This is probably, I, I can't imagine it not being one of the worst days in David's life, okay? So here, here's what's happened prior to this. Chapter 21, 22, 23, let me set it up for you. David has the entire Israelite army trying to kill him, okay? Um, he stops in desperation to one of his friends at their house, at, their, at the temple, at Abathar's, and asks for help. And Abathar, I think it's Abathar, gives him some food and something to drink and a sword, okay? Saul finds out about it, and he executes that guy, and he executes every member of that guy's family, 85 people. Can you, I don't even have a capacity to know what that's like for me to ask somebody for help, and because I ask you for help, everybody in your extended family gets killed. Then... He and his men are running for their lives, and there's an Israelite city called Kilah that's in trouble. They're being surrounded, they're surrounded by an enemy. And so David goes in with his men, risks their lives, and saves that city. No sooner has he saved the city that they plan on delivering him over to Saul to be killed. We talk about a bad day. All right? In the midst of that, his friend Jonathan comes to him. Now, here's what you need to know about Jonathan. Jonathan and David, they had this kind of spiritual friendship, right? How do I know that? Back in 1 Samuel 18, verse 1, it says this about the two of them. As soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. 
Remember what I told you about Paul and Timothy? You know, remember we read there, they are like-souled? That's exactly what David and Jonathan were. It says their souls were knit together, okay? So Jonathan comes to David in this time of need, and here's what happens. Verse verse 16, verse 7 23. And Jonathan, Saul's son, rose and went to David at Horish, and he strengthened his hand in God. That is a beautiful phrase. He strengthened. That's what I want someone to do when I am at my low. Come strengthen my hand in God. Verse 17, and he said to him, Do not fear, for the hand of Saul, my father, shall not find you. You shall be king over Israel, and I shall be next to you. You know what he does? He reminds David of God's truth. He reminds David of God's promises. He said, Remember what God said? David, that's going to come true. Don't, don't you doubt him. You hold on. Man, that's koinonia right there. That's, that's, that's when you need a brother. Now, now, don't do this. Don't wait until you're at your low and then say, Man, I need some spiritual friends. No, no, no. Build them now. Build them now. And they'll be a source of endurance for you later. Okay? Second of all, what, what, what does this kind, of, this kind of fellowship do? It may keep you from falling away. Okay? Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as, you call, as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Now, I know what you're going to say. I bet you anything what you're going to say is this. Pastor, I will never fall away. Well, then who's Hebrews written to? Huh? To the dummies in the Christian life, and we're all the smart ones? Man, I have a hard time believing that. I think I'm a dummy, actually. You see what it says there? It says sin is deceitful. It will fool you. It, it will attempt to get in your life and cause you to be bitter, to cause you to give up, to cause you to make excuses, to cause you to in some way harden your heart to God's word and fall away. Now, what, is, what does he say? What's he say is going to save us from that? But exhort one another every day as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the sequence. You need you people in your life that are going to exhort you every day. Those kind of relationships. Final one. What do these kind of friendships do? Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. Listen to it. Let's consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day Drawing near, all right? So, so don't, don't stop meeting together. Why? Why? Because when you meet together, here's what ought to be happening. When you meet together, you consider. You think about it. You consider, how, how do I stir him, her up to love and good deeds? I think it's the NASB or the New King James. I can't remember. It's a Bible that I used to use. Instead of stir one another up, it said provoke one another. I like that. You know why I like that? Because that's a, that's a, that's a firm image in my mind. I, I, I have seen over and over and over again my children provoke each other to anger, right? Like, like we know what that is, right? Like needling. Show them, guys. Show them. You know, you know just you know, like bothering each other until, bam, there's this explosion. Okay, but, but it's the other way. It's, it's like, how do we stir each other up to love? 
Like, how do I, how do I realize my brother's zeal has grown cold? It's, it's, it's cooled down. How, how do I get in there, think about them, and stir them up to love and good deeds? And that's, that's the power of this koinonia. Man, guys, I want you to have these kind of spiritual friendships. I want you to have these kind of Christian relationships. I want you to have these kind of gospel relationships. I want you to have it in your marriage. Can you imagine a marriage where a husband and wife, they share together the grace of God. God, what God's doing in them. They share that. They share together doing hard things for the gospel, for the sake of the mission of the glory of God. They're stepping out and, and doing things together, attempting them for God. And they're stirring each other up for love and good deeds and, and, and they're, they're exhorting one another day and they're strengthening each other's hand in God. And can you imagine? Can you imagine parents who have children who have koinonia? Man, that's good. And, and you know, one of the missing pieces may be if all we ever do is meet together, we, we can talk about what God's doing, but you know what we ought to be doing? We ought to be going out and doing it together. I think one of the big pieces to this, this Koinonia thing is, hey, go do it together. Hey, let's go visit so-and-so. Hey, so-and-so's in the hospital, let's go. Hey, let's go pray with so-and-so. Let's go pray for so-and-so. You notice that Philippians 1 starts out by Paul praying. Let, let me just ask you, how, how many of your spiritual friends have you prayed for this week? And that, that's a great answer to whether this has happened in your life. Sometimes you, you got to go do it together. See what happens. Man, I'm telling you, I asked my son Haddon yesterday, I said, buddy, I need you to go with me. <laughs> I, do, I do not have my, my work done, and I got a three-hour drive, and I need you to go. I need you to drive, and I'm going to work. And so he's like, okay, you know, and he gets in, he's driving, I'm working. Uh, all the vans were gone, so I had to take my car. And uh, I have a philosophy on tires. My philosophy on tires is one more trip. That, that's, what, that's my philosophy, one more trip. And so we're outside with Tonga, boom, tire blows, ruined, like it's, it's toast, sidewalls coming off, you know. Uh, I guess they don't run more than 70,000 miles. I thought they did. But anyway. Tire's gone, so we popped the hood or popped the trunk. And I, I've changed tires before. I know I have. There's no jack in there. there. There's a jack handle. There's no jack, you know. And so here's where I got a little, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest. I got a little testy. I'm on the side of the road in suit, in a, dress clothes. My son's in dress clothes. We're, we're in a little Yaris. Nobody will stop. You know, I pick up every homeless guy that I pass, and nobody will stop. And I'm in a suit. I mean, do we look like murderers? We're insane. And I'm even like making a jack motion as they're going by. You know, I just need a jack. <laughs> Finally, Jerry Newell, bless his soul, from Woodard, Oklahoma. They're going to the airport. He sees me, turns around. If you know Jerry, he's a bodybuilder guy. You know, he could have picked up the car, I think, actually. But he had a jack. We put, the, put that little donut on. Um, Here's something you may need to know. Those donuts say don't exceed 45 miles an hour. They will go 70, and they'll go for 300 miles that way, all right? So Haddon's driving us. I was like, just be ready for it to blow, son. We'll go as far as we can. We got to exam. They're expecting me to be there at the wet, do that wedding, you know? And uh, we get there, and, and anyway, I, I go out to do the wedding. I send him to Chickasha, try to get somewhere in time. He gets to Walmart, but they're going to close, and they got three people ahead of him. They won't do it. So anyway, we drive back on the donut. You know, but 
here's the deal. What started out as just, hey, would you drive for me so that I can prepare my sermon, turned into kind of a gospel adventure, you know? I mean, we, we, had, we had an adventure together. Man, do that. Say, hey, let's go do something for God together and, and see how God binds you in this koinonia that brings joy and affection You know, at the church, we, uh, we have Sunday school, and we have small groups, and we have discipleship groups. But, but here's, what, here's what people will tell me. They'll say, you know, I went. I went, and I, don't know, I didn't connect with anybody. I think, I think they think we put it in the Kool-Aid, you know? Like, like, like we have this mix that we go put it in there, and you go to the deal, you know, and you're like, Brother, you know, let's do life together. How can I encourage you in the Lord? You know, it's not in the Kool-Aid, guys. Like, like, there's nothing special about Sunday school, small groups, DG. We're just trying to get you together. But once you're together, this stuff has to happen. When this stuff happens, then pretty amazing things happen. But it's not just attending, right? Like you, you actually have to go with these things in mind. And we desperately want that for you. Man, I, I, want, you to, I want you to be in a fellowship of believers. I'm not talking about in a church. I'm talking about in, in, in relationships with other believers where people will strengthen your hand in God, where they will stir you up to love and good works, where they will exhort you day after day so that you do not fall into the deceitfulness of sin. Man, we want that for you. Father, I pray that you would so work in us this morning, God, just pushing us to take some steps, Father, that we might have these kind of spiritual friendships, that we might have these kind of spiritual relationships, Lord, where where we are enabled and empowered to do really hard things for the sake of the gospel. Father, please do that in us. In Jesus' name, amen.